it's super powerful. It feels like it's like throwing gas on a fire between cost segregation and then watching your equity in your own properties you already currently own. And then you can purchase two units for every one, double your cash flow with someone else's money. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here with Heather Marchant. Hey. We are back for another in the series that we've been doing for you guys. This is going to be an interesting one, I think, because uh, a lot of people don't think about what we're going to talk about today, but it's important as well. And before we do that, Heather and I have decided to do one of the episodes in our series as a Q&A on Facebook Live. So two ways that you can get your questions to us. First way is to email us, Heather, at... uh, Invest at rpcinvest.com. There we go. Invest at rpcinvest.com. So you can send your question in in advance. That would be great. In addition to that, we're going to be live on Facebook and we will give you guys ample warning on that, at least if you're following us on Facebook. We will give you warning as to when that is going to happen. And the reason we're doing that is because we realized that we are, when we did this live with a group on Facebook, we had tons of questions, Heather. We had like co- tons of questions yeah. constantly during Caught it. Because, hard, actually. Yeah, and good questions, good smart questions. So Yeah, um, that informed a lot of what we did. And since we've been pushing this out through the podcast, we're not getting that kind of feedback, so we don't know what else you guys need to hear. And so we are asking you to let us know. And then we're going to do one of our episodes in the series we'll do as a Q&A, which I think will be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so too. Bring on the questions because it's sometimes, well, we thought this would be a 10-part series because we did it in 10 parts live. But when we don't have the interaction of people asking us questions, it's a lot, a lot, we move a lot faster. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So what are we going to talk about today, Heather? Today, we're going to talk about scaling for growth. What happens next, right? Because we've been talking about getting a rental property or maybe a handful of rental properties, but then what does that look like long-term? What happens? I think that's something that's really assumed, you know, that people understand sometimes what's in our heads as to how to make this grow long-term. So we're going to delve so, into at the beginning of this whole thing, we talked about vision we talked about planning. So there's steps to scaling. And I think, you know, the steps to scaling in, in this business are, you know, your vision and your plan, then using leverage. And we talked pretty extensively about leverage. We'll talk a little bit more about it today. But then there's systems and action. So it's really, really important that you have all of those elements and they kind of stair step on top of each other to be able to make this thing work and be able to scale it. So there's some other things that people don't think about with respect to scaling, like lending is a big deal if you're trying to scale. And some people hit these and they get stuck, they get frustrated, and then they just kind of stop and pause. And that's really unfortunate because, you know, the reason they were scaling up where they get stuck is because of all of the great benefits of investing in real estate. And then to just get stuck and then give up and stop is silly, in my opinion especially when there's ways to scale. And I think sometimes it's overwhelming to learn something new, right? If you're comfortable in the conventional loan space, you know, it's just 20% down. This is how it works every time. 
less than four units to move into a bigger realm is a little intimidating. So I think that that's the biggest reason I've heard from clients that they stop is because they don't really know what they don't know, right? So that's why we wanted to address that a little bit. A lot of my clients start single family and then they start moving into multifamily. That's kind of where I'm at right now is starting to move into residential multifamily. So that is under four units. And then you're eventually growing to where Ron is at more, which Ron, aren't you all, well, you have the package packages of single families, but you do mostly apartments, right? Yeah. Mostly larger multifamily. So yes. I mean, and as you scale, it's not like I, not like I don't like single family homes or anything like that. I have a bunch of them in my portfolio too, but it becomes easier to scale at a certain point when you're adding 50, 100, 150, 200 units all at the same time. And yeah. those deals, while they're more complicated in some ways, it's complicated for a while. And then, well, it's just like the rest of them, right? It gets easier once they're up and operating and you're going. And it depends on what kind you're buying, right? It depends on if you're buying a value add and you're, you got to do a ton of work to it. It takes a year to do anything make any money, or if you're buying a, a momentum play where you can just buy it and try to fix a little bit of the management, raise some rents, stuff like that, but the whole time you're cash flowing. So it just kind of depends on what kind of properties you're buying and what your plan is. Again, it goes back to vision, plan, mm -hmm. leverage everything that you can leverage, systems, action. Well, and a couple of things that I think are helpful to know is when you want to get into that commercial space like Ron's in, usually the lenders want you to have some experience. They're not just going to usually let an investor start from zero rental properties and buy a 50 unit apartment building. Even if you have the capital to do so, they want to see that you have experience owning out of state and even out of state multifamily properties. That's been a requirement when I help clients. So that's something to know. And when you want to get into that space too, you want to have usually a local bank, local to the property is going to be your best ticket for financing. That's just what I've found. And I'm sure what you found Ron in helping people is and helping yourself. I guess I haven't helped myself with apartments yet, but yeah, I mean, you, um, just, you have to leverage everything that you can. And one of those things that we talked about before is relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Leveraging relationships, those, you know, banking relationships or people that you know, who have banking relationships that can get you into this and get you some experience so that you have, you know, the experience that you need to be able to do this on your own. Sure. And, and you do, I mean, uh, apartment buildings are a little bit different beast than single family. I mean, it's not just like owning 10 single families, entirely different. I mean, still really, really lucrative. And, you know, so long as you have a good team, they work really, really well. But it's the same thing, right? If you have a bad management team, I mean, it doesn't make any difference how great the property is. And, and I've experienced that too, right? So let's talk a little bit about how you move through these steps and how you can move through them a little bit quicker. Because mm. a lot of people that we talk to, Heather, they're like, I want to be able to do this faster. Like, how do I do yeah. it faster with the same amount of money? Like, it's not mm. like I can dump another million in next year, but I just want, I want to do it faster with the same amount of money that I have now. And one of those things is through leveraging the tax law. This is one of the, and people overlook this. It, this is really, really big way to leverage your ability to grow a, a portfolio. For sure. And faster, right? I mean, like you said, because you can save on taxes, which means that's money, actual money in your pocket. 
right? So if you purchase three rental properties and save a good chunk on your taxes and pocket that, you may be able to buy a rental property off of just your tax savings if you don't spend it on like a boat or something, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and we go back to this thing that we talked about, I think all the way back in the first episode of this series, which is how just, how cannibalistic mm -hmm. taxes are. Yeah. I mean, they're atrocious when it comes to growing wealth. We talked about the penny a day. Mm -hmm. We talked about that penny a day turns into like $10 million, over $10 million over the 30, over a month, over 31 days, right? On day 30, it's worth five. On day 31, it's worth 10. But if you just tax it, if you tax at 35%, it's worth $20,000. Mm -hmm. That is the effect 5 million or 20,000, same time period, same return. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about leverage, it's really, really important that we leverage, we take all of the tools in our toolbox, this being one of them and use it because otherwise you're playing a game that it's really difficult to win. You can't out earn, right? That's not how you grow assets. Yep. You have to use the laws and the structure that was put in place by the government so that you can legally pay what you're, so that you can pay what you're legally obligated to pay. And yeah. this is one of those things. These are perfectly legal hacks. <laughs> yes. And, you know, if people don't like that there are these hacks, <laughs> that's perfectly okay too. I mean, you're wrong, but I won't tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> Or wait, did I just tell you you're wrong? I don't remember. But either way, if you don't like them, well, then we should tell the government to fix them because they're the ones who put them in place. That's right. So all of these politicians who complain about all of these loopholes, well, they're the ones who put the loopholes in place. Just remember that when they're out there crying about, you know, how little people pay yeah. uh, in taxes. Especially so, the wealthy. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a reason why people with almost no money go into politics and come out with millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's because they learn while they're there how to leverage all of the laws that they are able to enact for themselves mm -hmm. and other wealthy people. And a lot of them own real estate, right? A lot yeah. of wealthy people in our country own real estate. So, and including obviously our current president. So the tax law changes they've made in 2018 made this something that existed before they made it even better, which, yeah, hard to know that that was even possible where it was and, already. And let's, just, let's just flesh this out just a little bit more. This is a little bit off topic, but let's just do it anyway. Well, because it's, you know, it's our show. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> What happens if we're able to leverage and acquire more assets and fix those assets up, make them nice, right? It provides more housing that we desperately need right now. Mm -hmm. The reason that the government has incentivized this is because we need housing. If they don't incentivize the construction of, the management of, and the offering of rental properties, people will not have a place to live. Yeah, That's why they do this. And investors usually take a place and make it nicer. Not all the yep. time. There's some slumlords out there, but not. that's not how we do things. So we're bringing good quality properties, upgrading them often, and allowing people to live there and get, have the housing they need, right? So, okay. it's, so let's talk about the actual tax. How does this work, Heather? Okay. And you just did a 
you just did an event on this. I did. Yeah. Um, Super so. awesome event on it. So it's cost segregation is the, I guess the buzzword. Not sure if everyone out there, if you haven't heard about it, it has existed for a while. I don't even know how long it's existed, but a while. <laughs> there's my, there's my technical term, <laughs> but you have general, your depreciation you could take on a property. You're basically taking the structure, not the land. So it's not the entire purchase price of the property, the actual house, or it's a building or whatever with multiple units. And you're dividing it by 27 and a half years. And that's your tax saving, your write-off, and then you have your tax bracket. And that obviously is going to be a percentage. And then at that point, that becomes your actual tax savings. So that's what I was talking about, about money in your pocket, right? So uh, you know, just like a hundred thousand dollar, if we use some round numbers, a hundred thousand dollar structure divided by 27 and a half years, that's about $3,600 per year that you get to write off. So if your tax bracket was 25%, that's about $900 a year that you can write off on that property. So that's straight line depreciation. So we're going to talk a little bit more about how to look, take a different perspective on a house. So one way I like to explain this is if you look around your house, if you're sitting at home right now, you'll know that everything in your house is not going to last 27 and a half years, right? It's not. I've replaced a faucet in a house I've owned for six years, my primary residence, brand new faucet replaced two brand new faucets already, right? So there are things that are not going to last that long and that's not rocket science, right? So it's basically leveraging that. So and you know, we can get more in depth here, which is kind of fun. Try, it's hard to without showing you numbers because I'm a visual learner, but you can basically take and segregate out the costs of a property. And if you can turn a house upside down and shake it, whatever falls out, <laughs> not like mm -hmm. your couch and your, <laughs> not your furniture, but if you had an empty house and you shook it and whatever fell out is usually the stuff that you can write off over a shorter period of time. Not that 27 and a half years, it's a five year depreciable. So that stuff is things you can write off on a faster schedule. And we've known about this. You also have your landscaping, the exterior parts of the house that can be write, written off over an even shorter, even a little longer, I mean, but it's not the 27 and a half year. So it's the land improvements are 15 year depreciable items. So like driveways um, and sidewalks, things like that, that you've improvements you've made to the property. So glad to know that they only last 15 years though. That's good to know. Cause I yeah. haven't replaced my driveway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, sometimes they last a, a lot longer than that, but <laughs> according to the IRS, they don't. Yes, exactly. The IRS just made a number of how long those things will last. So, so basically in the last tax law change, they made it so, so much better. This is the part we were talking about that you can take those five and 10 year items and write them off in one lump sum in year one of owning the property. That's through 2022, right, Ron? 2022? I believe so. Yeah, that's, we hope they extend it. We're like crossing our fingers and toes over here that they extend that law because it's amazing <laughs> it, for it, growing it, it a property. Really, it really is cool. It changes the game on depreciation and how you can use it. 
Yeah. And if you're buying a property, you know, in addition, if you're buying a property, you can do all of what Heather just said. And then if you're buying one that you're fixing up, so if it's a value add, in addition to that, you get to dip to write off all of the repairs that you're making in the same year. Yeah. It can be a humongous number. Exactly. Everybody tries to figure out, at least on the news, how it is that a business owner, uh, you know, really good real estate mogul can lose billions of dollars. Well, that's how. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of the main ways that you can, right? Yep. <laughs> and it's right there in the tax code. There's no like secret. It's just most people are, haven't maybe heard of it, but it's... Yeah, it's because they don't business. do that for a living. Now, all of you yeah. who are listening to this show, you guys are all in tune with real estate. You should know that there are these really cool carve outs for people. And there's a reason why, they're he- why they exist. And the reason is because they want, the government is incentivizing an activity that they want. Mm-hmm. And this is how they do it. Yep. So again, getting upset about it isn't going to do any good, but learning about it and understanding how to utilize it the way other people do, and then take some action on it. Go utilize it yourself. Yes, right? exactly. I mean, I've done this on several of my small single families that I own. So I would say my average write-off has been between five and $7,000 for a three-bedroom, two-bath single family home. And that's, sorry, that's actually tax savings, not write-off. Write-off has been well over 25, between 25 and $35,000 write-off against my personal income. And so that's my actual in-my-pocket savings. So if I own three properties, each one saves me $5,000, I can then take that money and purchase another rental property a lot sooner than just ignoring this depreciation. I mean, season. basically to, to, to try to make this so that it's without being able to see numbers, to be able to make it so that it's understandable what Heather just said. If you have a $100,000 property, you put twenty dollars or $25,000 down on it. What Heather's saying is basically she's getting her entire down payment back as a tax deduction. So whatever she put into the property, she gets to deduct off of her taxes. That $20,000 in cash, she would have paid whatever her tax bracket is on it, right? What she's saying is she didn't have to pay that tax bill, which means in essence, she gets all of that money back and she can buy another property. So what we're trying, what we're talking about is ways that you can speed this up or leverage this particular law so that you can accelerate your portfolio. So I have a client that I'm helping do a little unconventional way of using this cost segregation and it is to, they're over 59 and a half. And so he, I think he's like 60 and a half, right? So not well over, but just barely past 59 and a half. And he's taking disbursements from his 401k. And then he was worried about having to pay taxes on the money and then invest it. And I said, well, what if we did a cost segregation, right? So there are ways that you can, you, he wouldn't have very much tax, tax risk at all if he can utilize cost segregation. So I said, talk, I mean, obviously talk to your accountant, but... Yeah, everyone should, right? I mean, if you're planning on selling a property, you know, a year after you buy it, then this is probably not a really good strategy for you. Yep. Right? Because if you do, then you have to recapture a lot of this depreciation on your taxes, which you're just delaying your tax bill is really all you're doing. So you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, But if you're trying to grow a portfolio, this works really, really well. Yeah. Our cost segregation professional said it's not for like a flipping model. It's for a buy and hold model. So. Yep. Definitely. So there's that strategy. And then another strategy accessing cash right now that is available right now that we haven't really talked about is um, 
taking a disbursement from your 401k under the CARES Act. So that is something I'm actively doing with my husband's 401k. And actually, we got a notice for his pension yesterday for a lump sum, and I'm like all over it. They said we can take it one lump sum or take $300 a month when he retires. And the amount was about the amount of a down payment on a rental property. And so, well, sorry, when he retires, when he's a lot older. (laughs) So my husband's not working right now. So that means that you have $300 a month from a rental property now or wait, like for us, it's like 20 years, you know, before he can access it. So, right. So let them keep the money for 20 years yeah, and then they'll give you $300 a month. That's right. Or we just take 20 grand now and I could buy a rental property with that and get $300 a month. Right. So I told my husband, that's that's $72,000. Just so we're clear, that's $72,000 just in cash flow mm-hmm. that they want to keep so that they can give him $300. Now, you guys have to think this through just a little bit, right? That's $72,000. That doesn't include appreciation. That doesn't include tax write-offs. And yep. it doesn't include anybody paying off the mortgage. That's just cash flow. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a horrible deal to let them keep your money for 20 years so that they can give you a measly $300. It is a fantastic deal for them. Right. Yeah. I told my husband, I said, sign the paperwork. I'm like, we'll pay the taxes on that money. Let's make it work for us. Right. So then I'll just do a cost segregation. (laughs) Or maybe we won't, maybe we won't pay the taxes on that money. Yeah, exactly. Property and, and write it off. So this is a, I hope you guys are seeing, this is a massive, I mean, the, the grand scheme of how can we, how can we utilize the money and the assets that we have to grow our assets? This is a humongous gift mm-hmm. that the government has given us for a little while and we should take full advantage of it. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about some ways that we scale Heather, because this, that's a big one, right? So that gives you the funds to be able to scale. Mm-hmm. Let's talk through just really quickly. I think we did some of this when we were talking about lending. In light of today's topic, let's go through it just again and tell people, like, how does this work? How do we go from one little house and add to that portfolio, grow it, use this cool tool we just talked about, but how do we then grow into more and more properties and what kind of systems can we use to track all this stuff and to be able to actually grow and do this thing the right way? So let's, yeah. let's talk through some of that. I think that's a great idea. I think it's one thing Ron and I have talked about with our business that we run over at RP Capital is that that's been a hindrance for our clients is just not knowing what to do and how to scale. And so they kind of just stop playing in the game and continue back into stocks and stuff because it gets uncomfortable. So I think one of the best ways to scale is to analyze your properties on an annual basis and see how they're performing because if you have a property that's gone up in value and the tenants paid down the mortgage, those two work together really well to give you some equity that you can work with. And you can either take a cash out refinance or you could sell the property and utilize a 1031 exchange. Mm-hmm. And you could have two properties for every one, right? So it's super powerful. It feels like it's like throwing gas on a fire between cost segregation and then watching your equity in your own properties you already currently own. And then you can purchase two units for every one, double your cash flow with someone else's money. I mean, 
that's insane and awesome, <laughs> insane, insanely awesome. So that's one really good way to scale. And at that point too, if you only get 10 conventional mortgages and you're selling one, say you sell one and buy a duplex, that's still only one conventional mortgage. So yep. scaling that way allows you to utilize those conventional loans as well. Versus it's a difference between, money. it's a difference between 10, 20 and 40 units, mm -hmm. right? So 10, if they're single family homes, 20, if they're duplexes and 40, if they're fourplexes. Yeah. So, and that's some of that vision planning, right? And then we're leveraging, we're leveraging the tools that we have. Well, what's the best loan products that we have? Fannie Mae loan products. So how do we leverage those utilizing the assets that we have mm -hmm. to be able to get the most out of them? That's well, right. It depends on what your assets are. It depends on where your assets are. And I just sat down and did this with a gentleman last week or the week before. And he has assets all over the place. He has them in retirement accounts and he has them in, you know, in cash. He has them in trading accounts. That's, they're literally all over the place. Mm -hmm. And every one of those accounts has different rules. Some of those work for what we're talking about right now. And then some of them don't. Some of them you have to use different rules. That's where the planning piece comes in, it's really, really important. The vision planning piece of this to being able to scale. Because if you mess it up in the beginning and you got all this money left over, then you got to kind of, you know, you got to reconvene. You got to mm -hmm. try to figure out, well, how am I going to move forward now? Because now I don't have any of my mortgages left. Do I jump into commercial properties and do that? Or do I just jump into the other loans over here that aren't really as good? but mm -hmm. that will allow me to continue to buy properties. When in the beginning, if I had planned it different, I could have ended up with 40 units instead of 10. And I, you know, and I would have utilized a lot more of the resources that I had to scale yeah. this. thing. Yeah, that's true. It's, I think an annual basis is enough, but you could visit your portfolio every six months, take a look at the current values of the properties, the current rents and run a return on equity calculation and take a look and see if it's time to sell. Super, super powerful. I would say most of the time we end up telling clients to sell. This is a question I get a lot is why wouldn't I just cash out refinance? But the property is mm -hmm. also aging during that time. So you have a property that's maybe five years old now, and maybe your HVAC system is 15 years old and that expense is coming up versus if you reposition into newer properties or to renovated properties that don't have those capital expenditures coming. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And that allows you to scale as well, right? Yep. Because you're, you're moving into nicer properties all the time and more units all the time. The most important thing, I think we've touched on this a couple of times, but it bears repeating, all of this is being done, almost all of this is being done utilizing the same amount of money that we put in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. You can add to it and, and you can scale faster, but the thing scales by itself over time, mm -hmm. which blows people's minds that they can actually do this. So over you know, three to five years, they end up with two, three times the amount of properties that they, that they thought they would have just by virtue of having all of these returns working in concert. Yeah. I have a client I'm helping right now that just bought a property two years ago and she's had some capital expenditures. So she's reached out to me and she's a little bit frustrated about it. And I've been helping her navigate a little bit um, with the property manager because some of it should have been 10 cost, right? So working on a couple things, teaching her what questions to ask, right? Well, in the meantime, 
we looked up the property values. She paid 134 for it and it's worth 170 and the rents have gone up, right? So because the rents have gone up and the price has gone up, we can actually turn it and sell it to another investor because the ROI is still awesome. And she can utilize all the advantages of having that extra cash to turn around and go and reinvest it into two rental properties now. So she took, coming to us with a frustrating situation, we ended up saying, hey, let's rethink this, right? So taking a pause rather than letting the months turn into years with your rental portfolio. So, And that's one of the things that we're doing with our client portal that we're building is we're trying to make these things more visible to you as the investor. Because one of the things that is really frustrating to investors, the only thing that you guys can see, the only thing that anybody can see unless you're in the business, is what's happening with my cash. Yep. Right? What's happening with the rent? Tenants didn't pay the rent. Now I've got to turn the unit and I'm going to have an expense. And it looks like my property isn't performing very well. But if you actually can look through all of the returns that you're getting, it could be performing incredibly well. Now, like Heather said, maybe it's time to upgrade. Like maybe you've had this property for a while and, and things are starting to break and now it's time for you to move on. You won't know that unless you have visibility into the rest of what your property is producing. And so we're creating that right now so that our, so that our clients can, at RP Capital can have access to that. But if you're out there and you're doing this on your own, you need to be engaged with like, what is my property value? Mm-hmm. How much did I save last year in my taxes by having this property? And on my amortization schedule, how much did my tenant pay off for me? All of those are returns. You need to look at all of that stuff and make sure you're looking at an entire picture as to how your property is. Because, you know, I doubt that that client you're talking about was looking at any of that stuff. She was looking at her cash and she's like, gosh, dang it, something broke. Now I have to pay. I have to pay this money out and it hurts my cash flow. And like, well, yeah, but you made 40 grand. Yes. You just made 40 grand, not just the 40, but you had a tenant paying the property off at the same time. Let's look at the whole picture here because over this whole time, you probably made 50 grand on this property. Yeah. So was it a good purchase? Is it irritating you now? Yeah. Okay. So let's think about it a different way, but let's look at the entire thing. Yeah. Because if you look at it on a short, if you were short sighted like that, you look at it and you're like, well, I'm just done with this real estate. This doesn't work. Well, I think it worked pretty well if you made 50 grand. (laughs) I know. Off of one little house. Exactly. And she may say, oh, it was a lot of headache for me, but I'm like, well, yeah, then you just sell that property and move on, right? Move on to a different property and test the model, right? Because- Or take your money and give it to your stockbroker yep. and then you won't have a headache. That's right. There's no headache. I mean, you may open your statement one day and it's the same as it was 20 years ago, but there was no headache. Mm-hmm. So, you know, which do you prefer? And some people prefer that. That's okay. Real estate's not for everybody. <laughs> That's right. Right. I this isn't it passive. <laughs> it's like, you know, actively passive or something like that. We should coin that term. Actively That's passive. True. Trademark. Actively that was trademarked. Passive. Uh-huh. actively passive. <laughs> I think one question we haven't covered too that I get asked a lot is people who aren't comfortable with a lot of debt, how do they scale, 
right? So I have clients that will buy maybe three properties, but they feel really uncomfortable with having three additional mortgages. And so one really good way to scale those is actually a Dave Ramsey principle in the debt snowball is taking your cash flow and dumping it all into one mortgage at a time. Mm -hmm. So you make your regular mortgage payment. I'm not saying don't make those payments, but you take the additional cash flow from all three properties and put it into one property at a time and pay off. If you run mortgage calculations on paying them off. And if you just paid extra payments on all three, it's actually faster to focus on one at a time and pay them off. So then you have free and clear properties. It takes a little while to get them free and clear. If you have three, it may take 10 years, but you can then take those three, sell them and have multiplied your cash, right? And then you can buy again and you do the debt snowball again, or you can just pay cash for properties or own those outright free and clear, the ones, that, the three you purchased initially. So there are some good tricks to help with that. Um, it is a slower growth, no doubt having a fear of leverage or a discomfort with leverage won't allow you to grow as fast. So I'm trying to think so, of all the questions I've been asked about. This. Can you scale? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it easier with a plan and a vision for what okay. it is that you're trying to accomplish? hundred percent easier. Yeah. Can you use some pretty aggressive tools to help you do it via leverage and systems? Absolutely the most important component to this entire thing working is the thing that I say every time we get done with one of these shows, which is go make something happen, right? Yeah. It's action. It's taking massive action towards whatever it is that your vision and your plan said. Yeah. Having the plan and having the vision and knowing about the leverage and knowing about all the systems does no good if you don't do anything with any of it. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. So if you've, if we're on episode 90, whatever right now, I don't even know. <laughs> Maybe over a hundred. I don't, I don't know what it is, but whatever the, whatever show number this is, if you've listened to all of these and you've not done anything, well then it's now it's time to actually do something like mm -hmm. get out there and literally make something happen. If you yeah. don't want to do this on your own, you can reach out to us, uh, invest at rpcinvest.com and we'll help you. One simple step that people can take if they're feeling overwhelmed and maybe, you know, don't, don't want to work with RP Capital would be to go and get pre-approved for an investment loan because it helps educate you, helps yep. overcome that first hurdle. Um, you'll need that in order to buy a rental property anyway. So that's one thing we encourage people to do is a first step. That's you can swallow that pill, right? Yep. <laughs> it has well, boundaries. It's a big pill, it's a big pill. <laughs> but you can. It's like one of those you ones can. you look at the pill and you go, really, people swallow these? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> people do. You know, they can do it. It's just going to, you're just going to look at it first and go, ah, I don't know, but it will. <laughs> no worries. It is worth it for sure. So, and take advantage of the low interest rates, man. Oof. So great right now. Fun to be. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning when we told you guys that you need to submit your questions. So we're going to do a live Q and a, you guys need to submit your questions. Okay. And, and then we will do it. It will be a Facebook live. So if you guys have not gone to RP capital, just look up RP Capital on Facebook and you can become friends with us. I mean, we already like you, so you just as well be. And you can find us there. You can also find us on our podcast channel on Facebook. So get the Get Real podcast. You can also find us there. We'll stream it to all of those. 
including my professional page, Ron Phillips. I have a professional page. I'll stream it there as well. So not to my personal. I'm not going to stream it to my personal. So don't go friend request me on my personal. It's my personal page. Look but at I me not being friendly. Be... It's horrible. You're so not friendly. I'm so um, not I... friendly. <laughs> I don't think it'll friend be next... me on my personal page, people. <laughs> I think it'll be next Thursday, the 22nd, I think is when this will all fall. If I have my calendar right, Ron, that we'll okay. be doing live. Because I think throwing out a date might be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> for people okay. to know when so to be online. So let's do that and and stand by on those. We will post it on there so that you'll know when it actually happens. And of course, it's going to be a podcast. You guys are not going to miss it. We just yep. If you email your questions, if you can't be on live with us, that's fine too. Just email us your questions and we'll cover the questions in, in our session and then it will be posted just like all the other podcasts. We're just going to do it live because I think it'll be more fun. For sure. But it'll only be fun if you guys show up. So you better show up. That's right. So no Thursday, pressure. October 22nd, and it'll be in the morning. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Heather, just, Heather just called an audible. It's going to be in the morning. Okay, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> Hopefully the series has been great. That'll be our last episode of the series. And, um, and then we'll get back to our normally scheduled podcast, mm -hmm. which happens on Mondays. We're not going to be doing two a week anymore. We'll be doing one a week starting, the starting next week. The week after the 22nd, since Heather sure. called an audible and we're doing it in the morning of the, of the 22nd. So, all right. Thank you guys. Really appreciate you. Really appreciate uh, all the love that we've been seeing. Really, really do. Because it's helping us get out and help more people and connect to more people. So share this with everybody. Share our episode with everybody. And, you know, give us some comments. Give us some feedback. Invest at rpcinvest.com. You can find us at rpcinvest.com. And the podcast you can find at getrealestatesuccess.com. Yes, yes. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Now, remember, most important thing you can do is get out there and make something happen. Thank you. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.